Mama said knock you up. Booze. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another great episode of the Five Star Knockout Podcast with myself, Sean Rashid, and we're here to bring you another fantastic episode. Can't get ready to check it out, check it out, check it out. Make sure you follow us on social media. That's our Instagram, that's our Twitter on Five Star Knockout Podcast. You will definitely find us there. You know, we've got great content on a consistent basis. Today, I've got an amazing lineup, I've got an amazing guest. But before we get to that, let's get to the news. Josh Warrington, oh my gosh, he received the first defeat of his career in a massive shock against Mauricio Lara. What can I say? It was definitely one of the biggest shocks in the UK ring, definitely without a doubt. The former IBF champion was floored in round four and then eventually, before eventually getting knocked out in the, in the ninth round at Wembley Arena, you know, there was no crowd in the audience and, you know, from... You know, what I've seen, it's definitely not the best um, Josh Warrington that I've seen in the ring, you know. He's definitely one that probably needs the crowds, I guess. He, you know, he loves, he, he feeds off that energy. He, he usually takes a, a massive contingent wherever he's going. And, you know, it was it was a very, it was a shocking defeat. You know, he left, the, he, he had to go to hospital for a brain scan. Um, he left with a fractured jaw, perforated eardrum and damaged shoulder. He took a heavy beating, but thankfully he, you know, he's posted on social media that he's back at home. So we do thank God for that. But you know, it's it's, it's a shame. It's a shame because he's definitely somebody that wanted the big fights. He gave up his IBF title because he had a mandatory where he felt that he needed to, he could fight better opponents. This was seen as a you know a warm up fight, a tune up fight to get in the groove before fighting the bigger boys in division in the division such as you know Emmanuel Navarrete and um, Gary Russell Jr., who are, you know, champions in his weight class. He's looking to take a rematch. Hopefully, he gets through the rematch and wins that like he should have done. And then, you know, take we can take it, he can take it from there and have the big fight with, you know, the, the aforementioned Gary Russell Jr. and Emmanuel Navarrete. Got Callum Johnson. He's rejoined Frank Warren's Queensbury stable. It was funny that he that he actually rejoined him because that's where he started his career before moving to Eddie Hearn's matchroom stable. Um, he basically wants to secure some of the world title fights in the light heavyweight division. And he also has the potential for some great domestic fights with Anthony Yard and Lyndon Arthur, who are both also part of the Queensbury stable. So, you know, hopefully he does get the sort of fights he's looking for. He also would love to challenge... Joe Smith Jr. for the WBO title, who that would be a great fight. You know he's got a, he's got a very good record at the moment. He's only got one defeat, and that came at the hands of the number one ranked fighter in the division, who the unified champion Arthur Baterbiev. It's even interesting because he actually knocked down Baterbiev in that fight, before eventually getting knocked out himself. So hopefully he does get the fights that he's looking for. You know, wish him all the best as he makes this move. We've got the big one, Alexander Povietkin versus Dylan White, number two. Fortunately, he's been moved back. Was really looking forward for that fight on the 6th of March, but now it's been moved to the 27th of March. The fight will be taking place in Gibraltar. You know, the fight card's title, the Rumble in the Rock. You know, um, it was basically due to new travel restrictions due to the COVID. 
Um, Dylan White is training in Portugal at the moment. Where that's where his training camp's been based, and you know Portugal became one of the, I think it's the red flags or the you know one of the areas where the country that couldn't he couldn't fly from. So if he did come into the UK, he would have to quarantine for ten days before coming before the fight, and that's just not ideal preparations. So hopefully with this new um the new plans of it you know going to Gibraltar. He can be fully prepared and it will be a great rematch. We're rooting for Dylan White to win that rematch because we all feel that he, you know, he was in control of the first fight before he, he even knocked down Povietkin twice before getting knocked out himself by an uppercut. Let's get into the next part of the show. We've got an amazing guest for you all. Um, my guest today, he's a former boxer, former amateur boxer, former amateur kickboxer. As a kickboxer, he, well, he was semi-pro. He won, He was two-division champion as a, as, a semi, as a kickboxer. As a boxer, as an amateur, he, won, he got to the final of the Golden Glove twice. He, was, he won the Empire State Games. He was the two-time Metropolitan Games finalist. He's far, he sparred with many world champions, including Zab Judah, He's for um he sparred Vivian Harris, Raul Frank, Andre Eason, Derek Gaynor, Kevin Kelly. You know, Kevin Kelly had those amazing fights with Prince Nassim Hamid. Give it up to my guest today, Hayden Cowie. Hello, Hayden. Hey, how are you, my friend? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. How is everything out there in the States? Uh things are getting back to normal you know we had some uh, inclement weather here that really was not the most convenient for people especially in uh, uh places like the good warm and tropical state of texas uh that is not at all prepared for that kind of thing so so which part in america are you, are you in texas uh yeah i currently uh, live between uh houston texas and los angeles california most of my time is spent in houston texas okay 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 yeah, Houston is is in the uh, Gulf Coast region. Okay, because I know we've we've definitely heard on the news some of the difficulties been going on in Texas. Have you been affected as well? Uh, a little bit. I was uh, fortunate uh, to have been in Los Angeles uh, the day that things really started to go. Uh, uh, pardon, pardon the uh, pun, but uh, started to go south. Um, <laughs> We, you know, I watched everything unfold. I got back on the tail end of it. You know, we had uh, water restrictions and and power restrictions. There wasn't any heat there for a bit, but uh, you know, I I was only inconvenienced for a couple of days. Uh, my while the w- weather turned fairly mild. Um, uh, the 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 weather's nice and warm. It's it, it was sunny. I was wearing a short sleeve shirt today, mm-hmm. uh, which is coming out of that. Uh, you know, last week where it was. Uh, like permafrost here yeah. almost okay okay yeah no i mean the weather here in the uk is getting better it's not the ideal conditions that we're looking for but we're getting there little by little but good back to the boxing you know i met you a few weeks is it almost it's almost two weeks now and yep. you know we've had some conversations on clubhouse and you know i, I love the way you view boxing i don't necessarily agree with everything that you say but I recognize that you do have great knowledge on the sport. You know, you do have, you know, great insight. I just, you know, it's been great conversations. And, you know, I just thought yeah, definitely yeah. I have to get you on 
and we'll let's speak about you know some of the things that's been going on in the current climate today yeah. you know and one of the you know just this weekend gone by we, we, an amazing packed week of boxing oh my gosh so yeah. many I, fights I, so many fights like i had a television going i had a, a a laptop going and an ipad going just so i could catch as many things at once <laughs> so many of these things overlapped one another, so yeah. it was it was tough but uh we did it yeah yeah i know you was really busy like my saturday was packed for, packed packed especially yeah. because obviously out here in the uk the time difference is a bit different you know i guess we'll probably go in chronological order due to time the sure. first one I'll start with, um, Florian Marcou had his battle. Did you see that one? Yes, what a battle. What a battle. What a valiant fight Marcou put up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what was your thoughts in, the, in that fight? Uh, you know what? The, the, the first thing that jumps out to me is the size differential. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just there was, you know, he did everything he could in that fight. And uh, brilliant moments. Great strategy, just too much, just too much fighter for him to handle. Yeah, yeah. And just for the people listening, Florian Marcou had a welterweight battle with Ryland Charlton. Charlton. You know, Marcou originally from Albania, but he resides here in the UK, you know, managed by Sam Jones, who also manages um, Big Big Joy Joyce. And the battle was, you know, it was actually quite interesting because Mark was in full control for the for the majority of the fight, and then mm-hmm. he gets dropped. Yeah, yeah, he unexpectedly too, just a beautiful punch uh, mm-hmm. deposited him on the canvas there, and he recovered. Yeah, yeah, very well. And it's interesting because I didn't know too much about these guys before the fight. I've had to do a little bit of research, like in between. So I was, well, I was watching one of the interviews, and um, it was Ryland Charlton was talking about how. Because they're they're all in a bubble because of the whole COVID situation, so you know right. they don't have any risk of catching any infections. So they'll see each other around the same because they're in the same hotel. They'll see each other, and you know, Charlton will try and you know say you know good morning. Mark will be like no no good morning. Like he, he's in fight mode. <laughs> he's total fight mode, and you're he's... trapped in this habit trail like a hamster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Charlton seems more like a, he seems more like that. You know, just boxing's just a job to him. You know, he, right. there's no, there's no bite, no needle for him. It's just, you know, no animosity with these opponents. Yeah, yeah, nothing personal. It's just work. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Marcus seems like he has to be in that, and he's, you can see in the fight, he's a showman. He definitely plays to the crowd. For sure, for sure. Even when he got the eventual knockout where the towel was thrown in. You know, you see him dancing around the ring with the towel over his head. <laughs> I yeah. Out, I found that hilarious. <laughs> but have you seen Florian Marcoux fight before? I haven't. I actually, like you, had to uh, do research. And I'm sorry that I haven't because both guys were remarkable. Um, mm-hmm. Both guys are very talented. They're very driven fighters and uh, brought um, just great styles to yeah. the fight um i hats off to both gentlemen for for putting on such an entertaining bout mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean he's only had eight fights so he's very very early in his career he's only right. 28 you know he's had eight fights no no sir he's had nine fights eight wins and one draw and you know from what i've seen is it was apparently a controversial draw you know from what you've kind of seen, how far he is, it's very, very early to say, but how far do you see him get going 
Well, so yeah, uh, great question because um, a guy, I, I didn't get to see what his amateur record was, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't yeah. know what his amateur pedigree is. However, when you see a guy in the ring enjoying himself in a fight, and, and at times he was in a dog fight, like you said, he, he got dropped. Yeah. But he got up, he recovered, he did what he had to do to recover because he didn't just get up. It wasn't a flash knockdown. Mm-hmm. He got up, recovered, composed himself, and went back to work having fun. Yeah. You don't see guys uh, that early on in their professional careers re- as relaxed and fluid as a guy like – and as confident as mm-hmm. a guy like that, especially coming off of the canvas. Yeah. Um, so I think he's got the talent and the um, ring IQ – to go as far as he wants to, I I can definitely see him making a challenge at, at a world title someday. Yep, yep, yep. No, I, I won't disagree with that. With, I will not disagree with that at all. And then on that same card, so this was the co-main feature. Then the main event, and, you know, hats off to Matchroom because one thing I love about Eddie Hearn and Matchroom is he knows how to put on a card. You know, you see a lot of events where the undercard is like, oh, you know, you don't really want to watch it. It's just like you're there because you have to, or you just you're awake, so you might as well. <laughs> but with matchroom, the matchmaking is usually top notch. You know, the undercard is really entertaining. The co-main features can most a lot of the time, a lot of his co-main features could be could main be main event. Yeah, and and excellent job uh, matchmaking there. It really was. Yeah. So. So with the main event, it was Josh Kelly versus um, David Avenison, also welterweights. And this for me, this is where I'm going to confess my sins because, funny enough, I was in a chat room talking about this fight and someone asked me who I thought was going to win. Now, beforehand, I hadn't seen too much of either. I've heard the names, but I haven't been paid. I've, I've not studied their careers as much as... I would have to be able to give a prediction who was the winner. But for some weird reason, so when they asked me who I thought was going to win, I just went with the name that I was more familiar with, which was Josh Kelly. Sure, sure. It's and usually then, the safe bet. <laughs> yeah. So on, I think it was, so this was probably Tuesday evening. Actually, no, it was on the Wednesday. Funny enough, after I came off that room, I was actually, I was just randomly watching Sky and then I saw... Um, they're just showing that like, I guess just to kind of hype up the fight they're showing his previous fights so it just randomly came out so I was watching it I said like, okay let me watch it. let me see what he's about I've, I haven't actually seen Josh Kelly fight I've only seen I've only heard of him I, I knew he was trained by Adam Booth and Adam Booth is the same guy that trained David Hay he trained um, George Groves you know in, in his stable so I was watching and I see you know he's a flashy kid he's still early he's, yeah. he's still young and I was like okay he's a good fighter but then while I was watching the fight, I was um, looking up David Avenition's records. And I saw this guy is a very... Exp- he may not be a world champion, but he's been in the ring with world champions. He- that's, that's a guy you don't want as a gatekeeper. <laughs> that's a gate that has a padlock on it. <laughs> like really not. Yes, yes, I agree. I mean, it was at the, it was the tail end of Shane Mosley's career, but to spend twelve rounds fighting Shane Mosley right. and winning, right? The amount of experience you gain from that alone is a lot. He'd also shared the ring with Lamont Peterson, and I was thinking, right. David Avenisha, he's a very, very 
experienced content. He's, he's Josh, a veteran. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's European champion. Is Josh Kelly ready for this? And what's even interesting is this fight has been in the making for almost two years. In the sense, it's been, um, there was injuries, so it was rescheduled. And then obviously last year we had the whole COVID situation. And when I saw, when, when I was, in my, in my mind, I was thinking, David Avenition could win this fight. He's, you know, the experience levels is just too much. And then as we saw on the fight, as on the fight, on fight night itself, just as I kind of considered in my head, it played out where, admittedly, I've, you could probably argue Josh Kelly is the more skilled fighter, but the experience of David Avenition definitely shone through. You know, you see... Yeah, the, the I, way I have to agree. I have to agree. Uh, you know, I, I definitely would peg uh, Josh Kelly for a pure boxer. He was clearly the more skilled boxer. Avenician is definitely the more gritty fighter. Yeah. And, and if you knew what you were looking at during the fight, you saw subtle shifts uh, in, in, in momentum. And you started seeing him get a little bit closer and do a few more things to close the gap, even though if you were looking at boxing from a boxer's perspective, yeah. Kelly was miles ahead in terms of boxing and boxing angles. And, and, but the ring IQ was relatively equal. And yeah. you, you saw a guy just grinding down and finding the angles, walking to his angles and, and you could just see the veteran the veteran tactics bringing him closer and closer into range and then what we what we ended up seeing and, and realized too that uh, uh, we had a, we had a, a nasty few cuts there on Josh Kelly as well yeah uh, so he was pouring blood throughout this fight it was a bloody yeah. mess um, and and you just saw just what ended up happening just devastation uh, when once Avanesian got into range and what a finisher he is he really had great instincts for mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And again, the towel was thrown in. There's been conversations, at least on over on you know on the radio, about whether he should have mm. the fight should have been stopped earlier. I mean, again, thankfully, um, Josh Kelly's you know he's safe. He's not. There's no major injuries as such. Correct. But Correct. you know, we do also got to think. You know, there's been, there's been Adam Booth has received quite a bit of criticism in the sense of was this good matchmaking from their part should should I, I thought it was fantastic matchmaking I, I i was thoroughly entertained uh as this fight went on and and i i you know to say that it would have been a mismatch look that would have been saying that josh kelly had no chance mm -hmm. this was clearly he, this was clearly a fight that he was winning clearly yeah. clearly winning this fight um uh, you know until he ran into trouble um so you know I don't think they, there was a, a, a mismatch made at all. Um, how it about was a fan-friendly fight. For, how about from the perspective of as the coach of um, Josh Kelly? You know, I think, look, the way Josh Kelly was fighting going into, I, he was winning. Yeah. Uh, as a coach, as a trainer, I thought, I, you know, I would have thought that it would have been a winnable fight. But I would have warned uh, Kelly and, 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 and cautioned him and said, look, you're going to have to have an airtight defense. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to have the, the best legs and, and utilize those angles. And you're not going to stop to take a picture or look at your handiwork yeah. at all. Yeah. You deliver what you have to deliver and leave that package on the doorstep. Mm -hmm. Go on to the next house. Make him 
cover the real estate and catch him coming in. And all night long, the minute you stop is the minute you're in trouble. The minute you give him the angle is the minute you're in trouble. You are going to have to be more focused than ever before. If you win this, you come out victorious, you will learn and grow and be on another level. So, you know, this is a kind of fight that has to happen. And again, you don't want Avicennian as a gatekeeper, but if you're going to call yourself an elite fighter, you need an Avicennian to get past. You've got Mm -hmm. to have that adverse. You want that adversity early. You don't want it when you get up on the big stage. Yeah. And I'm guessing, you know, I'm, I'm at risk of being a hypocrite here because I'm not a big fan of protecting the O, but is there ever a time where receiving that O could be the wrong time? Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at some fights and they're just too big a risk, too little reward. Yeah. And that's that's the time to protect it. But, you know, we, I think we've discussed a few times the 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 sport of boxing is like no other in that respect. We hold these fighters to a, a, a almost godly standard of being undefeated. You know, one one fight, two fights, and it sends you so far down the totem pole, and 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 the the general fighting public starts to call people bums. Not even <laughs> considering the fact that there are thousands, literally globally, uh, in each weight division, thousands of guys yeah, per yeah. weight division. Sometimes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so when they see the first top twenty guys, they're oh, he lost to number twenty out yeah. of two or four thousand guys so you know we've got to figure out a way to have more education for the fans to to promote the other guys the the the, you know the the guys in the middle of the division who are still rugged and 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 raw and working their way up uh you know start promoting smaller fights and i think with the uh, advent of uh, these social media platforms, some of these fighters can get more exposure and take away some of the uh, card-making power uh, of of the big promoters, you know, or or even local promoters. Mm-hmm. They they should start signing promoters to promote them, not being signed to a promotional contract. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We've definitely we've definitely had this conversation before. Yeah, and I guess it's something worth exploring a little bit more just for the you know general public like because sure. at the moment you know most most promotional organizations you know the big ones are you know pbc matchroom top rank you know um queensbury they signed the fighters but what you're speaking about is where the fighter is signing the promotional company on their behalf what will be the main difference okay. So the main difference is when you sign a promotional contract with with a uh, promoter, they decide uh, the matchmaking. They decide the cards. They they foot the bill for a lot of the things that oftentimes um, fighters won't be able to uh, foot the bill for. You know, venues and things like that. But you're also putting your fate in their hands. They're looking, realize that yeah. you're you become the product for them. So they're yeah. looking to make the most money that they can. Uh, so not always are the fighters' best interest at heart. It's their wallet. It's yeah. paying for things. It's the profit margin. Mm-hmm. When you take that power away from them and you say a fighter just decides, okay, he's going to call out another fighter on social media. One, you finally get 
fighter to fighter contact. These yeah. people talking to one another. And and because it's on a social media platform, the social aspect of it where you and I can get in there and instigate. Mm-hmm. We can get in there and, and, and be, become the, the great protagonist and, and cause this tension and cause this need, at, you know, for for what we want them to supply. We can, yeah. we can we create that. The- when um, Floyd Mayweather mm-hmm. decided it's time to fight Manny Pacquiao and they'd done that at the right. um, basketball game. And apparently the, the story goes that after the game, they went to the hotel, spoke about it for about two to three hours, if I'm correct. Sat and down. the okay. next thing we know, the fight's made. Right. Or we can go to uh, social media sensation, I, uh, apparently, uh, Jake Paul. I didn't know who he was before. <laughs> certainly know who he is now. Yeah. This guy had no professional fights, no amateur background, yet he gets on the big stage uh, and, and, and all of a sudden he's making millions of dollars to be able to fight a basketball player, yeah. uh, you know, some kind of grudge match. So when you see what someone can do yeah. out of nothing – and launch themselves into a, a, a multi-million dollar fight that is shown globally. Mm-hmm. You realize that true boxing, you know, true true boxing athletes, true purists, true can get there and create fights even locally. You know, yeah. a local grudge match. Imagine if it, you had two guys there in the UK in the same town, and and there, you know, everyone knows them. Uh, around you know local restaurants, local whatever you know, and they start talking to each other on social media. The, mm-hmm. They stand to make tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars because everybody is now involved, even on a local level. You know, the kid up yeah. the street wants to fight the kid in 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 the next neighborhood or subdivision. So you know, everyone it becomes a communal thing. So yeah, there, there's so much potential. Uh, from a local level to a national level to an international level, nothing. You and I are are doing this interview on this uh, this you know platform, and we're in different time zones. The other side Completely. of the world, yeah, right. Uh, and and people are going to listen to this, and it's available to them all over the world. So yeah. there's nothing really to stand between making fights happen that should happen. It doesn't matter then that they are different promoters or different organizations i could be for the wbc from the wbc you could be from the wbo but you and i can make this fight happen for them yeah yeah and i'm definitely like i without you know risking me going into tears on this public platform that's going around the world is there is no reason why a fight is not made other than the fact that the fighters don't want it yeah, fighters or promoters. Uh, 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 that's that's where we are. You know, on a social media platform in that kind of promotion, the only way that fight doesn't get made is if the fighters don't really want it. You see, yeah. you see social media blowing up right now because Ryan Garcia is hanging out with a bunch of guys, clowning around. Mike Tyson on the couch, instigating. Yeah. you know, taking a page out of Don King's book and instigating this whole thing. And Ryan Garcia is looking at a phone. And he's talking to Tank yeah. and he's telling him, look, you know, I, I, I'm this, I'm that. And Tank is talking back at, you, you know, I, I would do this, I would do that. And everyone is a buzz. Everyone yeah. is a buzz. So yeah. it's that simple. And, and, and yeah, they create is. the supply, they create the demand of the situation. It is. I mean, since you've mentioned Ryan Garcia, I'm totally going off topic, but... It's funny enough, I was watching um, the Fighters Right podcast, which is um, 
um, Tunde Ajayi and Spencer Fearham. And they were speaking to Bill Haney. Mm-hmm. And it's quite interesting because Ryan Garcia, he had a fight with um, Luke Campbell this year. Yes. As a final eliminator for to become WBC mandatory for Devin Haney's version of the belt. Because there's two WBC lightweight titles floating around. But he was, basically, he won that fight and he's now a mandatory challenger. But he doesn't want to fight Devin Haney. He's not calling him out. He's chasing after Manny Pacquiao. He's chasing after um, Tank. So he's apparently chasing. Well, I'm going to say apparently chasing after Tank because whether he actually wants it, we don't know. And it's like, what, what, what is the real deal? With what's going on? So for me, I think you know. Look, the the at the end of the day, it's money. It's money. And what's the yeah. safest bet? Manny Pacquiao now is not the same Manny Pacquiao he was even two years ago. Wait, even when he fought well, uh, Manny Thurman. Pacquiao is two years is two weight classes above him. There's no chance. <laughs> right, but but let's say Manny Pacquiao turned around and said, "I'll give you the fight. We'll we'll meet at a catch a weight." That's still more money than he would make over the next three years fighting any of those other guys. One, which is fair. Right? Two, I can call out Manny Pacquiao knowing he's not going to do that and that the sun is setting on his career and he doesn't care to fight me because I don't do anything to solidify his legacy or detract from his legacy uh, if he refuses to fight. So I can call the guy out all I want. And and, uh, most people don't even know what, as you said, don't even know that Manny Pacquiao is two divisions, uh, you know, above where he is. Weight class, right? So that can just be marketing. Uh, when when you look okay. at who's left for him to call out, Tank is a bigger name than Haney is. Haney is a, is is a very dangerous fighter, but the risk reward uh, factor for him, for Ryan Garcia, who I think is is maybe uh, reading a little bit too much of his own press uh, about how big he is. In fact, um, yeah, you know, is, is is kind of weighing that out and going, ah, oh, you know, Haney. Look, I think I think he has the best chance of beating out of the people that he has to choose from at the top. I think he has the best chance of beating Haney, who uh, still is a little bit unproven. Uh, someone today, I was I, I was, you know, my gut reaction to this comment was, "What are you crazy?" But you know, in considering, um, so the comment was, "Devin Haney is the future Andre Berto." Of his yeah yeah now now (laughs) right that was my initial right that's an initial reaction but then the angel on my shoulder stopped me and said hey hold on how do you feel feel about andre berto when you first saw him he was the devin haney of his division at the time right so so okay yeah so easily quickly reeled it all back in and said you know what that's fair. When I first saw yeah. Andre Berto, I had the same expectations that I do of, of Devin Haney. And those and 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 you, look at, at the end of the day, I don't think that Andre Berto's a bad fighter at all. I don't think he's. I think uh, he lost a little bit mm-hmm. of time taking taking off to go help people in 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 his native Haiti when uh, there was a devastating earthquake. So I think he came back yeah. to some rust. And when he came back straight into a fight with arguably one of the best fighters he could ever have faced in the world ever. Right. So, Mm -hmm. 
I don't, I don't see Andre Berto as an underachiever. Look at what he did achieve in his career. Uh, so, so to say Devin yeah. Haney, uh, you know, but, but you know, your gut reaction, of course, uh, until you really ration it out, to say Devin Haney is, is going to be an Andre Berto type, I, I think it's a bit premature. Um, but I don't think it's a bad aspiration to be either. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's like saying, oh, Andre Berto, you know, he should have been a breakout superstar. He should have been one of the greatest ever. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, there was a big gap there for him. Um, certainly put on a yeah. good show with yeah. Ortiz, and I loved it. Yeah, no, definitely. That fight with Ortiz, I think Ortiz oh is a very oh, underrated so. fighter. So, you know, to, to say all that, I think uh, I, I'd like to I'm, – I'm intrigued by uh, Devin Haney, much the same way I was Andre Berto at the beginning of his career. I'm intrigued by Ryan Garcia. I don't know how quickly he will mature. Uh, you know, hmm. the last two fights I've seen him in, they looked – I didn't see I didn't see growth. I didn't see the kind of growth that I would expect to see from him. So I don't know if that was a lack of focus or or the opponent styles that were just not uh, the best best styles for him. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I was a little bit disappointed with um, Luke Campbell in that fight against Ryan Garcia because I like Luke yeah. Campbell. You know, as a former Olympian, he's got a very good boxing right. style. But he was, in my opinion, he was a bit too conservative when he yeah, fought Ryan Garcia. Yeah, a little bit conservative. Very. And he's like, you're, you're the bigger man. You're the more right. experienced man. You should have Im- imposed himself Crowd him out a little bit. To, yeah. you know, make that real estate feel not yeah. so expansive. And, and we didn't see him. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. in that fight, I, didn't, I couldn't say that I felt that anything spectacular uh, Garcia was doing w- was what was winning the fight so much as uh, what Luke, what, what, what uh, Campbell wasn't doing uh, may have contributed to the result just yeah. as much. Yeah. 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 No, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But bring me back to Josh Kelly. So, I mean, from what you've seen of him, is he someone that you can see, you know, challenging with the very best? In, I, I in don't the future? see why not. Um, if he bounces back from this and learns from this, I don't see why not at all. Uh, I, you know, sometimes it's just in the preparation, and when you see, when you get something mm-hmm. like this in front of you, look, he was handling the fight. He was winning the fight. Yeah, and it wasn't uh, like a, a second round or third round or fourth round stoppage. He was winning that fight, and 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 into it. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. how do I close? How do I finish this fight on my feet and, and in control? The, the, how do I keep that up against the guy as relentless as this? You know, credit to Avicinian. Those veteran uh, years and, and, and that veteran experience just kept him driving and focused. He, he was unwavering, like a, just like a, a pit bull in there, hanging on round after round, no matter what happened. And that's, you know, to be able to box like that, round after round after round that takes maturity um so it, it may yeah. just be a matter of a little bit more seasoning for for josh kelly i won't count him out i thought he looked brilliant mm-hmm. well f- since the fight there was talk from eddie hearn about him potentially moving up in weight mm. 
So for when that sort of conversation comes out, there could be that could be a sign that he may have yeah, struggled yeah, to make the weight. It could be. And one thing that I always look to do is when um, fighters are moving weights, I always look to see who's the champions. Can he beat those current champions? And I'm going to be uh, obviously not right now because this is very very early in Josh Kelly's career. But I did have a look and I thought about the junior welterweight. I'm not junior, but the Ju- junior um, middleweight. Junior middleweights. Yeah, so you have the likes of Charlo, who's got like, I think he's got two or three of those belts. And the last person has a belt. Oh my gosh, it's Mr. Uh, he won recently. I can't remember his name now. Jeez, jeez, jeez. But my initial thought of him fighting Charlo, I was like, whoa, Charlo will kill him. <laughs> but the good news is, Josh Kelly does have plenty of time. There's no rush to chase for the yeah, world title. He's, he's right young, now. he's fresh, you know. He's he's got yeah. opportunity and look, Charlo's not unblemished. Right? Yeah. And yeah. and yeah. Then so let's let's insert let's let's move Avicinian up. How do you think Charlo does against Avicinian? Oh, that right. would be a good right. So you well, see what I'm saying? Was... Charlo's already seasoned and, yeah. and, and they've been you know, both the Charlos, they've been for a while now calling themselves young lions we're hungry we're ready we're going and we haven't seen them really get up there and get get down with with big 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 named you know dangerous dangerous opponents yeah. uh they they both had a couple of scares one w- w- you know one had a loss uh to a tough opponent yeah yeah right tony, tony harrison. harrison that's right um so w- for you to have to 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 consider to take pause with Avicinian, who hasn't shown himself to be a world beater uh, just yet, shows, you know, at least on a subconscious level, uh, that you understand why Josh Kelly at this stage in his career would lose and why maybe Charlo's not all that much uh, deserving of the credit he's been getting. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no, I see your point. I can definitely see your point. And uh, I'm trying to view it from because I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit of a child yeah, fanboy yeah. if I'll be totally honest. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to see it as objective as possible. So yes, no, I definitely and, and we, we do we're talking about it Avicinian moved up. We're not saying you know this isn't like he's already there. It, yeah. We're saying he would he would be yeah. a smaller man coming up and we still have to take pause and consider this and yeah. call it an interesting fight. So yeah no definitely 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 no, because Avenison is a very Rich. tough fight. Oh, man, very focused, tough. Very tough. driven, very tough. Cool, cool. All right, let's move on to the next fight over the weekend. This one actually brought it was more intrigue rather than me actually being excited by this fight. And this was between Otto Wallin mm-hmm. and Dominic Brazil. For those who probably can't remember, Otto Wallin almost didn't read the like, script. Yeah. That was handed to him when Tyson Fury, he fought Tyson Fury and he totally forgot that he was meant to lay down so that Tyson Fury can have a his rematch with Deontay Wilder. And he gave him a very dangerous cut, very, very threatening moment, you know, and this is that's a joke, guys. So don't take it to heart. Don't take it personal. But apparently there was talk that. Um, Bob Arum spoke to the referee and said, "If you dare call off this fight, you will never referee again." <laughs> <laughs> no, he de- that definitely didn't happen. But 
you know, Otto Wallin definitely gave a massive scare. And Dominic Brazil, he also had his he's previously challenged twice for a world title against um, Deontay Wilder, where he received that devastating knockout in the first round. And he fought um, Anthony Joshua, taking him to seven rounds off the top of my head, if I'm correct. But I was, I, for me, I was really intrigued to see this fight, mainly because I wanted to know what level both of them are really at. You know, say what you like about Dominic Brazil. He's only two defeats and being against two of the top three heavyweights in the division. He's, you know, reasonably durable. He takes a lot of punishment, but he's able to dish it back. And Otto Wallin, you know, the only time I've ever seen him fight was against Tyson Fury. So I wanted to know, you know, what is he really like? And, you know, have you I watched this fight? A, I thought it was a, a fun fight to watch. Uh, I felt like the story of the night, even though it didn't end the way I wanted it to, the story of the way, the story of the night was, uh, uh, Wally, I, I just was really enamored with his boxing skill. I, I, I saw an yeah. even more improved uh, an educated jab um, and, and angle changes, yeah. constant angle changes. And, and I felt Brazil was in, in, in danger the whole night. But look, it, there, we had two guys in there. One guy looked every bit of what I would call a super heavyweight, making the other guy look like a, a large cruiserweight. It, it was, you know, Brazil, yeah. Brazil, <laughs> Brazil looked like he looks positively Jurassic. In, in that ring everything about yeah. him is big and that ring got very small mm-hmm. very quickly we saw uh wall turning and turning and turning you know like 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 a, a a carousel doing what he had to do pivoting stepping out weaving under things combination punching mm-hmm. he did everything yeah. right i think he was a bit gassed and and slowed down and that it just opened up opened up uh, the opportunity for Brazil. Brazil is a, an absolute monster. However, I don't think he has what it takes to be world champion. I don't see him getting past the top tier yeah. uh, uh, fighters. I haven't seen improvement. You know, there were moments when I'd look at him throw a jab and the back foot would come off of the ground still. You know, very, very amateurish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very amateurish uh, sort of. Uh, nuances that you, you you'd pick up on there so i, I think he, mm-hmm. yeah. to be fair to him he hasn't um he hasn't really got much no. of an amateur pedigree because you know he was playing right american right. football right. and then He's moved over to boxing so that could probably be more doing... than other amateurs uh, other other uh, uh crossovers from football we've had a few heavyweights over the years uh, that that have come from mm-hmm. uh, American football, and you know some with padded records, some with, and he's definitely the best of the lot. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, yeah. even college football players. Clifford Etienne may have been the only other guy that got that kind of recognition. Um, there was mm-hmm. uh, Herschel Walker and a few other, you know, um, Alonzo Highsmith, people like that, and they just didn't last at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, no. I think Wallin surprised me, to be honest, with how good he was in this fight, whether that's because of the opponent he had or whether he's just really improved. You know, I know he's had quite a few tr- um, sparring sessions with Anthony Joshua, uh, yeah, so that probably yeah, would yeah. have helped him. 
that definitely would have helped him. I mean, can you see Otto Wallen, you know, I challenging for world see titles? I definitely Otto Wallen challenging for world titles. What I uh, maybe slightly, slightly uh, more economic with uh, some of his combinations. Um, you know, there, I, I, there were times when he would throw four punches when I thought he could have just thrown two hard punches and stepped out. Uh, which I think would have, mm-hmm. you know, given him a little more gas. Every little bit counts at that point. And there were times when I thought that uh, if he'd used a feint, uh, it would have saved yeah. him the, the actual punch thrown. You know, feint the guy, step out, or change angle a little bit, and, and, and you know, maybe get him to do something stupid and, and counter. Uh, so maybe his countering game, you know, it was always him first. And you like to see that with your fighter, but you also want to see him be a little bit more diverse and uh, make a guy miss and make him pay um, because oftentimes mm-hmm. you can walk him into things. And I think if he learns that aspect of it, he can increase the amount of power that he has by bringing the mass towards the, towards his fist instead of just it being fist propelled all the way. Mm, mm. Yes. Now let's go on to the fight of the night. It was, I mean, I built this as potentially fight of the year mm-hmm. contender before the fight, by the way. Um, since then, I'm definitely saying it's definitely a contender for knockout of the year. But that's with this fight between Miguel Bichelt, where he defended his WBC super favorite title against Oscar Valdez. I mean, these guys are not, you know, they're not very known to right. the UK audience. So, Hedden, please tell us a bit about these two great warriors uh, and wow. you know, what they produced so, on Saturday. Rochelle, you know, has has for the division is 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 a large guy. I mean, let's talk again about a size disparity. We looked, you know, he he hydrated back up to uh, welterweight essentially, right? One hundred forty six pounds, uh, yeah. one pound shy of of, of being a, a welterweight. It, it, at the top of the welterweight mm-hmm. uh, division. So he was a welterweight that night. Um, now, uh, a little backstory. He, uh, the fight was delayed um, because of COVID. Yes. He did test COVID positive. He did have symptoms. Yep. So, you know, I know car- on a cardiopulmonary level, that may have affected him a bit. That's what I was, you know, I was, you know, I was going to save that question because, you know, the fight was originally right. for early 2020. Then it got moved to the 12th Correct. of December 2020. And that's when he got hit with COVID. So I was going to ask, do you think COVID played a part uh, in it, his condition? It very well could fight? have uh, at least delayed uh, the level of training, uh, the, in- the level of intensity at certain yeah. points. You know, when you go into a training camp, there's there there's a schedule there's a training schedule and you expect to be at a certain yes. point by a certain time and in heavy sparring by this time and in taper by this time so it it i would have to think that you know if he had a a good camp and a scientific camp uh those things were delayed um and and then approached with caution yeah. just because they didn't know it's hard to to gauge how much damage on a cardiopulmonary level has been done, how far set back you are, um, you know, how much restricted breathing, how you're uptaking oxygen. So I don't know how far they delved into it, but all of these variables certainly are a factor when it comes to training, right? Um, But you had a guy who's typically uh, just a, 
a face first, two fisted, piston driven machine that comes forward and overwhelms uh, the smaller fighters in the division. And Vel- Valdez is mm-hmm. definitely not a big guy. He, he definitely a small guy in the division. Amateur champion, uh, you know, national two time amateur uh, national champion, Olympian, um, you know, and so on and so forth. Junior champion. Uh, so great amateur pedigree for, for Valdez. And you saw that. Mm-hmm. You saw the difference in the yeah. level of boxing. Um, you know, it, it was intriguing while it lasted. I looked at the fight and I said, there's no way on earth uh, Valdez can keep this pace up of, uh, you know, stepping out and, and the volume of, com- you know, the combination punches came with speed, with, with velocity. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't really keep him off of him, but he did a good job at keeping him at bay a bit uh, and constantly controlling the space, mm-hmm. constantly turning. And then yeah. it happened. Big money punch he walked him into, dropped Burchell hard. Uh, oh. When he got up, uh, you know, it, it, oh. I, and I believe that was the fourth round. Right. I think um, we were on that, yeah. You know, the, the ref gave him the count. He said he was fine, but he really didn't look fine. Hopping around. No, yeah, I didn't think he, he wasn't had his fine legs at, under all. Him at all. The referee said, hey, walk to me, walk to him. Still a little bit shaky. I would have been yeah. fine with the stoppage right there. Yeah. Uh, he didn't, he just didn't look good. And uh, you could see, you could see Valdez yeah. over there in the neutral corner chomping at the bit. Um, Mm-hmm. When they reengaged, it was tough. He got hit, and then the bell rang back to the corner. Brilliant job by the corner, and a, a testament to uh, the recuperative powers of Burchelt. He came out and looked solid. He looked solid uh, in, in, in the fifth round and uh, had Valdez on the back foot again. I think he felt a little urgent, though, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you could see him fighting a bit more urgent, trying to make up. Uh, that knockdown is what I would speculate. And much like what yeah. happened uh, in the uh, Manny Pacquiao, uh, Juan Ma, uh, Juan Manuel Marquez fight, uh, chasing yeah. Valdez. Uh, and, and then in the next round, chasing him, chasing him again until Valdez, who was throwing the combination, still hitting him with solid shots, put the brakes on. Yeah. And ran him into just a perfect punch. I, I the sound of the punch, uh, you just knew this thudding, this deep thudding yeah. punch oh. had to do damage, and he just lifelessly felt to the to the camp canvas. Uh, really, really uh, scary moments there. On that note, actually, because um, initially when I saw it, when I watched it, obviously I had the commentators. Voice. I didn't mm-hmm. actually hear the sound of the punch. I it was when I was look, watching it on social. I saw like a, the punch on social media, and you could just yeah, hear the I thud. Mean, just a like, heavy, oh. deep thud. And man, I, yeah. I just yeah, I, I was so so worried uh, for the fighter. He uh, was lying there on the canvas, uh, unresponsive for a bit. And then uh, when they started speaking to him, you could see his lips moving. He kept his eyes closed for a while, so I was worried there. And then 
finally, eventually, mm-hmm. minutes had gone by, which seemed like an eternity. They sat him up and he was talking. We saw him when we when he left the arena on the stretcher, uh, sitting up and everything. So uh, yeah. I got a report that uh, he was cleared from the hospital uh, and, and doing all right. Yeah, so Fantastic that news. was some, some harrowing moments. Now, leading up to that, we'd had some discussions about that fight. I thought it was going to be an intriguing fight. I honestly gave an 80% chance to Burchelt winning that. And that's huge. Um, I, I, even with yeah. the pedigree. I mean, you're not, you're not alone in that. In fact, you know, and Oscar Valdez, you know, credit to him in his speech afterwards, you know, basically said that he used a lot of the doubt because even, even the right. Mexican president got involved and said right. and Burchelt right. was going to win this fight. So, um, Valdez, you know, very... I guess humbly the way he did it in his approach, you know, just basically, you Thanks know, use that as motivation. Like <laughs> you helped me so much. <laughs> yeah. But what I liked about it, well, it didn't sound yeah. like kind yeah. of corny, you know, but he used it, you know, definitely to motivate people to just let people know that, you know, people just going to doubt you. Yeah. Just yeah. believe in yourself. And he did it. it. He did it in spectacular fashion. And, um, I, I... Yeah. If you haven't seen the fight, definitely go watch it because, yeah. You know, it was definitely a great fight. Definitely knockout, the fight. Knockout. Of, well, knockout. Yeah. Knockout of <laughs> the night. And, and definitely, definitely, I, I agree with you 100%. Knockout, a candidate for knockout of the year. Um, upset of the year. I, I, I'll i even uh, give it upset Ooh. of the year. Um, the, it, it was not uh, the typical uh, Mexican rivalry of two you know, super is muy macho. Me and you, we're going to stand here in the middle of the ring and go toe-to-toe. Eric Morales, Marco Antonio Barrera-style fight that we we thought it might be. We Mm -hmm. got the Mm -hmm. quintessential slugging machine. Two-fisted, furious, slugging robot and the quintessential boxer. And that's what we saw until it mm-hmm. came to a very abrupt stop and, and uh, Valdez took it out of the hands of the judges. So out of the two, would you Valdez say Valdez was clearly the boxer. the boxer? So much more polished. Yeah. Well, it's interesting though. Because the reason why I asked that question because he's got a very mm-hmm. good knockout percentage mm-hmm. for someone that's, you know... Uh, especially right. for someone the at that weight, is, at that weight uh, his knockout percentage is usually a I'm going to grind you down until you're almost helpless and then hit you with a combination. Burchelt's knockouts are yeah. if I catch you, you're on the canvas. Right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. And I guess that's kind of right. in the heavyweight division. I know some people are going to hate me for saying this, but that's how I compare Anthony sure, Joshua sure. to Deontay De- Wilder. Definitely. Where Anthony Definitely. Joshua will beat you with combinations. Deontay Wilder will give you that one punch. And then, yeah. The referee doesn't even have to say right. anything. He knows he doesn't need to count. you're hurt. And, it's and, and, and he's done. usually on a knee, on a yeah. canvas, cradling your head. Yeah. No, no. When, when it's Deontay Wilder, right. you're lean. Right. No, you're you're right. flat. They're trying to get your mouthpiece <laughs> out to flat. give you some oxygen. You're flat. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, yeah, and, and yeah. that's, that's the difference get ready between that. their, their types of knockouts. Merchelt is a, a, an accumulation yeah. until he can get the money sh- the money combo. And and it may be a cross-hook combo that, that yeah. deposits you. Merchelt is going to hit you with a stiff, stiff uh, right cross 
or a looping, looping mm-hmm. left hook or a looping overhand right, uh, and you're out. You're out. And if you do get up, you're going to be out. Not recovering. He's got great yeah. killer instinct. Yeah. He's going to swarm you. And unfortunately, I've seen where he's hit guys, and they are on the way. They, these guys are out so badly, they fall in sections. Their their ankles bend, their knees bend, their wow. hips bend, and he's hitting you on the way down. He's vicious that way. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, okay, okay, okay. Right. So we're gonna move on just to the last fight of the night, which was, you know, very interesting fight between Santiago and the return of Adrian Broner, and this had a bit of, um, I guess, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Even before the fight even started, before you know when they the controversy controversy started when they went on the scales, because initially it was set for a one hundred and fourteen, so that's the junior welterweight limit, and then literally the day before, it got moved right. to welterweight limit, and you know Adrian Brown has been out of the ring for two years before this fight. Yeah, to be fair, COVID hit, so not. Not everybody went was at fine last year, but and he's had his you know his well documented problems you know with yeah, you know, alcohol and etc etc yeah yeah oh yeah so um but he made his eventual return and the fight itself I mean you know credit to him for stepping back you know whenever people. For somebody that's never boxed in his life, I always give credit to every yeah. single fighter for having the yeah. bravery to step in between the ropes, especially if you've had personal problems and you've been away for a bit of time and then yeah. you, you're back in the ring. However, yeah. I'm someone that yeah. believes in yeah. justice. Yeah. Uh, we did not see justice done and, um, uh, as far as I'm got, concerned uh, the other yeah. night. And, 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 and yeah. again, credit to uh, Santiago. Um, as much as I like to think I know about the fighters and, and, and what's going on, I don't know how I missed Santiago, maybe because this was his first time fighting outside of Puerto Rico. But I, during the fight, because of what I was seeing, had to look him up. Uh, yeah. For me and most yeah. watching, uh, we, this was an Adrian Bronner fight. Uh, you know, we we tuned in to see what mm-hmm. Adrian Brunner was going to do, how he was going to look, how he's, you know, mm-hmm. how what he was going to do to his opponent that might make him, uh, that might help put him back on the world stage, right? What we saw mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> was, uh, again, someone who was not handed that script and had come in with intent to win. And for all intents and purposes, yes, in my eyes and the eyes of the uh, network covering won the fight. Um, not in spectacular yeah. fashion, yeah. just in a workmanlike effort. And uh, yeah. And for those who don't know, um, Adrian Broner, he's a, he's basically a mentee mm-hmm. of Floyd Merva to say the least. He was meant to take over. The as, protege. You know, he was yeah. branded a new Floyd Merva. The yep, project was the word I was actually looking for. Um, you know, he's and don't get me wrong, he's he's achieved a lot in his career despite you know some of his antics. He is a four weight world champion. I believe he's right. the second youngest right. to achieve that. You know, win. You know, he's 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 not a 
Correct. He's not a failure, to say the least, you know. As much as he does cause a lot of controversy out of the ring with his brash antics, you know, with his pose, the things he does in the in the press conferences, he doesn't always, you know, endear himself to Correct. the public. But, you know, there's, I think, with Adrian Broner, there's a bit of, um, I'm going to say, I guess, unfair criticism in the sense that, we want him to be... It's almost like we we expected him to be the greatest fighter of all time because he came out right. of the Floyd Mover brand that we overlooked yeah, what he's I, actually I, achieved. I, I think that's very that fair. fair? Um, and even for me, uh, I know who he is and I know what he's done in the back of my head. It's like it's 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 stuffed down in the far reaches of, 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 of this attic of, of accomplishments uh, by him from some distant place. Yeah. And, and, and it was really sobering to sit there and look at the graphic on the screen of the, the, the world titleist who've done this at young ages in so many weight divisions, literally marking the pound for pound yeah. fighters uh, in terms of how many world titles and how many yeah. divisions. And on this screen of illustrious fighters was his mentor, uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr., Oscar De La Hoya, you know, yep. he's up there yep. to see these guys on the same screen. And, and it was like I said, it's a very sobering thing. I had to sit up for a second and go, yeah, you know, Manny Pacquiao right there on the same screen. Yeah. Having accomplished very similar things in their careers. It was incredible. And then to sit down and, 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 and look at the performance that he gave that night. It was it was again yeah. disappointing, um, you know. And there we yeah. can point to many yeah. times when we are looking for definitive wins from him that are just too close or just closer than they need to be. Very anticlimactic, mm-hmm. marred by clowning and and yeah. disrespect, or you know, you just yeah. it, it was it was really and and it was just really more of the same. Now sat down and had a couple of debates with some Bronner fans the other night. And there was an argument made by someone saying, look, you know, I thought his punches were the most effective punches, you know, and that's the age old argument in boxing, effective punching, you know, versus uh, ineffective punching. And I said, and and it's fair, effective aggression versus, you know, just volume, quality versus quantity. We always get that. Aggression for the sake of it. However, that wasn't really the case. What we did Mm -hmm. see was classic Broner, counterpunching, waiting for his opponent to come to him. And yes, when he did land the punch, it was always a beautiful punch. It was always a great power punch, you know, on the button. But the opponent threw well enough there was power landed they weren't tapping they weren't blocked he threw enough power they were effective they did mm-hmm. i think i think they they helped mitigate uh the offense of uh adrian broner right there you know there were judges who gave uh, yeah. the first round to broner in which he landed zero punches um that's one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. And then to watch me. the punch stats. <laughs> How do you win yeah, a round without the landing stats. a punch? And, and, you know, here's a guy that just hit him with three fairly solid punches. And, yes, he would hit back with one hard punch. But 
that you yeah. can't discount what the the other guy's doing. This is it. This wasn't Pauli Malinaji. This guy was bigger, stronger than Pauli Malinaji, landing yeah. more solid blows. So, so to 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 yeah. end that back and forth with the quality versus quantity and who should carry the fight and who I said, okay, well, let's remove Santiago from the fight. In fairness. And we'll replace Santiago with Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner versus Adrian Broner. Would you yeah. want to see that fight? And my friend had to stop and say, no. no. I did, No, not at all. I said, exactly. He didn't. It is the, the sound of one hand clapping. No, he would not have wanted to see that. I wouldn't want to see that. You, most fans, wouldn't want to see that because he's not making the fight. Yeah. He's waiting for the fight to come to him and having moments of brilliance, having yeah. moments of success, but not enough. He's always getting outworked, and he doesn't need to. He's got the talent. We've seen it. Yeah. And this, and I guess this is where the frustration does come, where we do miss what he actually does achieve. Because there's always this, we can see there's so much right. more in him, even though what he has released is amazing in itself. Like, if another person had his career, correct, correct, they made it, they've done fantastic. But for some weird reason, it just seems like there's so much more that needs to come out of him that's not. I mean, he's got a great record. He's had 40 fights, 34 wins, four losses, one draw, and one no contest. And a good resume. It's not a bad record resume. in itself. And yep, the fires that he's fought: Manny Pacquiao, Jesse Vargas, Marky Garcia, um, Sean Porter, Carlos, um, Marcus Maidana. And most often, you know, those fights are his to lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's definitely. I don't usually like using this word, robbery. Yeah, it wasn't. This it wasn't was a great heist like Malinaji versus Juan Diaz or or something like that. But it was a mugging, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I felt I felt for Santiago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seemed yeah. like I, a very I, humble I think guy. He, he used his <laughs> in the way fifteen was... minutes uh, of fame afterwards in the interview. Uh, a lot more humbly than I would have if I were him. Uh, and certainly a lot more humbly than if it were yeah. Broner. Uh, <laughs> he would have been <laughs> calling uh, the National Guard and, 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 you know, everyone else for investigations. And, you know, and rightfully so, if that were the case. I think, uh, I hope to see Santiago yeah. again. I hope his stock goes up. I hope he knows, you know, he gets a, a management team yeah. around him that knows how to parlay this into mm -hmm. uh, future mm -hmm. fights and, and, and another shot because I certainly would want to see him again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, the, he's in a, he's in a, well, provide, well, the fight was a welterweight fight. So I'm just going to assume he's a welterweight, but he's in a division where the best are not fighting the best and they need opponents. And, and so and look, hopefully he could know, be one of them. It was moved to the welterweight, but he made, he made junior welterweight. So there, there could be some very intriguing yeah. fights for us uh, around Santiago. Yeah. What does that look like? Here's the big question, Mark. What does yeah. it look like uh, yeah. if he drops down and now we've got a, a, a uh, Josh Taylor, uh, Santiago fight or a Regis Progre Santiago fight 
Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so, Ooh. so please, please, uh, if promotional yeah. guys are yeah. out there, uh, do your job and 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 get this guy back in front of uh, a a good opponent. Yeah, no, he he definitely deserves it. You know, he definitely doesn't deserve that defeat. You know, um. And you know what now for Adrian Broner in your, in your uh, opinion? Based on that, I, I just I, I think he's in sort of limbo at this point. You know where you went to Puerto Rico, you found an obscure opponent, and nothing. You produced nothing more. I, I don't think he <laughs> fell. I don't, you know, you gave him the win, um, and it, 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 so he didn't fall from it. Yeah. But I think he's right where he was. I don't think he's moved at all. What What did we learn about him uh, in this fight? Uh, that he's the same Adrian Bronner uh, as he yeah. was before uh, in terms of fighting. Um, the post fight interview wasn't without its mm-hmm. antics, but not not nearly as extreme as they've been. Um. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I th- you know, there was a point where we could say, oh, he's a young guy there. You know, he's the, the world is his oyster. He's just got to mature a little bit. You know, he came in looking like Rip Van Winkle. He's he's older, more mature now. Uh, we'd like to see him <laughs> act more mature. We'd like to see that that now that he is a veteran, uh, a four four division world champion veteran. Yeah. Let's go. You know. Yeah, I mean. He's still young enough to be able to yeah. have and maybe the, rebrand um, himself a little bit. Whether it is, you know, but uh, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, because he's got a name at the end of the day. He's got a name, so at least you know, whether it's in welterweights, whether it's you know, the in the welterweight division, the big fights are not happening. Those champions could give him a fight, and if in some weird miracle he, you know, he collects it. I, I can't see him being Errol Spence or Terence Crawford, right. but in right. boxing, who's to say? Who's to say? So, you know, the opportunity is still there. Hopefully, you know, I guess more for his sake, because I like seeing yeah. people do the be the best that they can. And I'm not even like I said before, he's done so much already, but I just feel there's still a little bit more in there that he's, if he really pushes himself. He can really achieve no, it, but no. it doesn't feel like he's If I were, himself, but, it, it, honestly, again, the best thing I got out of this fight uh, this weekend for Adrian Broner, if I were uh, him, the, the the smartest thing I would uh, look to do is see if I could figure out how to manage and promote Santiago into the uh, junior welterweight division. <laughs> mm. Uh, I mean, I think he could really shake things up there. The world is Santiago's oyster at this point. The more I sit down here and think about where he could go and what he could do, who's thinking of moving into the division. You know, we had a discussion uh, today in a forum and uh, we were talking about uh, Loma and and Tio and uh, and if a rematch might be likely if that could happen. And, you know, I had to stop and think, you know, I don't know if that guy can make that division much longer. He was huge. Where's he going to go? And what's waiting there for him? You know, Santiago could be waiting there for all of them if they're not careful. (laughs) So so this could, this could go, you know, this could become something really interesting. I I just hope that uh, other people recognize it, especially the matchmakers and, and, uh, give that young man exactly what he earned the other night. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 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 
Well, this comes to the end of the show. Oh, you yeah. know, the time goes so quick. We, you know, we still got there's a few more things I did want to speak about, but we'll be here all. <laughs> yeah, well, in my great. case, all morning. <laughs> in your case, all night. You know, this is definitely a great and and fantastic conversation. Oh, I'd definitely pleasure. love Thank to have you, you again at some point in the future. Yes, please make yourself available. Don't <laughs> if, get too if famous. If I do, it's too busy because of you. I know we've got the Olympics. I know we've got the Olympics coming up. <laughs> Thank you so much. Now it's lovely having you on, and everybody else, you know, definitely follow follow um the podcast on social media on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Like I mentioned, five star knockout podcast. You know, give Hayden a follow. Hayden, is there anything you, know, you want to kind I of promote out there? Podcast myself. So this was a great uh, learning experience for me as well. So once I do, I, you know, I'm definitely going to be uh, looking to have a uh, five-star uh, link up with me uh, to talk about fights, especially the ones here on my end, uh, which might keep uh, the UK fans a bit more informed about the US, uh, you know, with the time differential. So um, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think this would be a, a great move for me to um, have a healthy partnership with you guys in, in that respect. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Fantastic. We would definitely love that. We'll definitely love that. All right, fight fans. Thank you so much and God bless you all. Take care. <laughs>